UN Today and Here's London present Health Today, a series of interviews with Swiss-based health experts who share their personal stories, their responsibilities at work, and how they foresee their jobs in the future. Today, we interviewed Patricia G, Director of Health and Life Sciences Strategy at Deloitte, Switzerland. Thank you very much, Patricia, for um, agreeing to this interview for you and today. Before we start with the, with the technical stuff, what could you tell us about yourself? I think I'd first say I'm a daughter, a sister, um, a dog owner, um, a loving partner, um, currently a consultant, uh, and someone who's very, very passionate about health and health outcomes and health equity in the work that I do. I'm from Chicago um, originally, and uh, actually my father immigrated to the U.S. from China, and my mother is of European background, so grew up in a mixed diversity, mixed cultural um, environment, uh, which certainly has an impact in my desire to travel and work abroad and, yeah, engage in lots of diverse groups and, and people coming together. So I moved to Switzerland six years ago. Um, and have been living here since. So I chose, I think I chose to get, in, to get into health at a very young age. So I was interested in high school and um, decided, you know, I was really turned on by the science and by biology and decided that I wanted to get into the health industry and started with, uh, as a candy striper, actually at my local hospital, which is sort of a student intern um, that was, you know, working administrative, doing some patient care, Um, reading books, taking patients from room to room, so really since then have kind of been in love with the idea of helping people and caring about um, and the outcomes of people's wellness overall. So I knew I decided, I mean as I said, I really enjoyed the science, I knew I wanted to work in, in healthcare and um, I didn't know in what aspect though, so I went to university and I studied pre-med, I also studied business and finance And um, that ended up taking me to Wall Street uh, as a first step in that career, which sounds a little bit off the path from health, but what I was doing there was um, fundraising for biotechnology companies, doing investor relations to help bring really new innovations, new therapeutics, um, new devices to market. Uh, hobbies, yes, absolutely. I love the outdoors, which is part of the reason why Switzerland to me was the ideal location, um, having a background in healthcare and then also being a, an outdoors person. So I ski, I hike, I climb, spend as much time outside when I'm not sitting behind a computer or behind a phone or, or behind a desk. Thank you for sharing your, your personal side. Now, what exactly is your job at Deloitte about? So at Deloitte, um, I'm responsible for managing lots of teams. And what those teams are really out there doing is, again, I work in life sciences and healthcare. So we work with organizations, both public and private, to help improve access to help, sorry, to health, um, to help speed up and adopt new innovations that are coming to market and ultimately deliver that with more efficiency, reduce cost and waste in the system. and and be able to create more productive people um, through the help of technology and, and digital enablement. So we do a lot of, for life sciences as an example, we do a lot of projects where we look at their new products coming to market and think about who are the customers that are going to benefit from these products the most? What is the unmet need that it's really serving? How do you think about you know, the dynamics and, and the very challenging dynamics of pricing those products and, and what the value that that brings to the actual health systems, whether it's savings in the cost of, of otherwise used healthcare, 
whether it's better outcomes for the patients, better wellness and lifestyle for the patients. Um, so we help companies in terms of you know, both deciding where it is that that product may be best positioned to serve for the welfare and also be able to do, produce growth for, for the organization that developed the product. Based on what you're doing today, how do you see it being implemented in the future, let's say five or ten years from now? My job in the future, given that as consultants we very much act as advisors, I think there will definitely be a, a continued role and a continued job in terms of advisors. But I think the topics in which we're advising on and helping companies to achieve may look very different. And I think there are a few trends that really drive that. We're seeing a really huge rise in the increase of consumerism of health. So people wanting to have their own say in wellness, using their own um, devices, using their own genetics to find out what's the best vitamins for them, what's the best diet that they want to choose. And so we're seeing that driving consumerism really change the way that, let's say, um, patient engagement um, is happening. They're coming with ideas, not necessarily just taking the advice of, of the doctors um, in a very traditional model. I think we're also seeing a huge exponential increase in the innovation um, that's coming along. 20 years ago, we just decoded the genome and the amount of science and technology that has been based off of that has been incredible. And we're now seeing curative treatments potentially come to market where it's no longer about treating but really curing a disease. Um, also seeing huge investments and, and huge efforts going behind diagnosis. We have so many treatments now available to us. It's so much more important that we're diagnosing people earlier into the right treatment. Those components of, of um, you know, the scientific innovation will play an incredibly important role in terms of how we support our clients in bringing those. I think one of the major points that we talk about is um, data and the interoperability of data and how much data can then be more predictive in um, preventing disease or in allowing you to um, manage your own wellness. I think obviously data is a double-edged sword and we have to be very concerned with privacy and, and the protection um, of individual interests. But imagine waking up in the morning and going to your mirror and you're telling you you're low on vitamin A and therefore you should eat this today. Or you know, they've noticed a change in your heart rate over the last few days and, and maybe you should reach out to your virtual doctor. Um, so I think there is a lot of change um, that we're seeing and, and data is a fundamental enabler um, of that. Thank you. Um, when we talk about healthcare system in Switzerland, what are the key factors where you see radical changes happening? So in Switzerland, I think we're quite fortunate to have very high quality healthcare. Um, and radical change, I think, is something here that potentially comes more incrementally, I would say. But there are a few areas where I do think already we are seeing the signs of that shift. Um, we do have a very high quality system here, but it's also a very high cost. And I think as consumers start to question what is the value that they're getting for that cost, they will start to distinguish and make more choice of which physicians they're going to, which hospitals they will choose from. And so it may create more competition between the hospitals and institutions to create better, ultimately we're talking about patient and customer experiences. Um, so I think some of that change will also evolve as we talk about the technologies that these institutions will start putting into place and creating more hub-like systems 
um, in the way that they care for. So we know University of Zurich, for example, in the new center at the airport, um, they've established kind of a, a health hub, a wellness hub there, where they have, I think, over 30 specialists um, that are centered at that airport that create a community care and easy access point to, again, care focused more on prevention and, and wellness and well-being. Um, I also think that hospitals are increasingly spending and, and having to find ways to embed new technology systems. We know that um, uh, patient data and things are already supposed to be made electronic, but if the systems aren't able to talk to each other, if I move from Zurich to Geneva, for example, all of that integration, all of that data becomes a burden on me to have to carry it across. So I think it would be a radical change for Switzerland to bring together its ecosystems of data and systems um, and technologies to enable patients to port data, to, to be able to take and better integrate um, recommendations and, and um, appointments that they've had across doctors, across institutions, which is very difficult right now. So if you could imagine the way I might be coded into one system, maybe my first name, last name, date of birth. Right? And that may be quoted as day, year, or sorry, day, month, year. And in another system, it may be my first name first, my last name, and then month, day, year. And so when you're trying to bring those potential data points together, it's not as easy to just plug in from University of Zurich system into Geneva system, potentially. Mm -hmm. right, so it's, it's about being able to code data in the same way, being able to allow that data to sit with the patient, mm -hmm. um, allow them to carry that with them. Mm -hmm. um, imagine an app on your mobile phone where it doesn't matter what institution you show mm -hmm. up at, whether a health hub or a hospital, mm -hmm. you know, it all loads into one super app on your phone that controls mm -hmm. your health. This one is a, it's a long one, but I, I'm expecting to make it as, as short as possible. In terms of access, uh, technology is making a lot of information available that can help patients prevent future diseases, right? Now, insurance companies only cover these studies if the doctor sees a pre-existing condition. Now, if I, want to, if I want to have access to this information just for prevention, let's say, to see if there is something that could impact my health in the future, I would have to pay it without any coverage. I understand that if you detect illness early, uh, you not only avoid problems, but you can save insurers a lot of money. How do you see this issue being applied in the future? Yeah, so I think there, there's two components of that. And one, funding and financing of health is, a, is you know, an incredibly complex issue. And right now, the way the system is set up is that we fund for sick care. And so, as you kind of correctly said, there's very little right now funding from insurance companies or others on really the activities that are preventative care. Now we see insurance companies starting to do things like giving benefits for people if they're, you know, quitting smoking or if they are actively exercising, they may get some relief on these cost of things. Um, but I think the question is at what point does the value proposition for insurance companies on prevention um, outweigh the current model that they have of, produce, of, of supporting sick care. And I think if we shifted as a system to be paying for outcomes, which is a dramatic shift, and some markets are doing this, and you know, we may be a long way away in other markets, but the idea that 
you know, you pay for a patient to have an improved walk, you know, you don't pay for the knee surgery itself. You pay for the fact that, you know, they've actually two years from now are continuing to walk and aren't requiring any additional healthcare expenditures. Um, so if we move to a system in which it's more outcomes-based, then the incentives are there to pay for um, preventative care, to pay for wellness care, because it's producing the overall outcome, which, you know, theoretically, I think, and also practically, is actually talking about reducing costs, major costs, critical costs, out of the healthcare system, and replacing those costs by spending on prevention and wellness. So I think that's one part of the, the question, is that dynamic shift. I think. The second piece that you were talking about was more of consumers' access to data and information. And I think there should continue to be a regulatory body and doctors and physicians that are there to make decisions on and, and in support of patient results. You know, patients as a, as a laycomer, even someone like me who's in the industry, you know, my ability to break down the outcomes of studies and really understand, you know, population of segment one with a standard deviation of point whatever and what that really means is very difficult. So I think there still needs to be those interventions, those people that are supporting you and making those decisions as, a, as an individual. With that being said, I think it's also incumbent on corporations, on institutions producing data, on pharma companies, on health companies, to be able to take information and translate that into something that everyday people can understand. And we recently did a trust survey um, at Deloitte, and some of the things that would really improve that trust gap between the population, general public, and pharma is being able to produce um, greater education or greater transparency into the results of studies in a way that people can understand it, into the results of side effects in a way that people can understand it and, and not um, kind of simplify the science behind what they're bringing to market. In your everyday work, you are, you are producing and exchanging information with hospitals, uh, insurance companies, governments, uh, and, and, and other companies from the private sector. Um, wouldn't it be an interesting purpose for Deloitte to get closer to society by, by sharing the, 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 the outcome of all these studies? It's a great point and maybe something that we should be doing more of. I mean, I think Deloitte tends to operate at the epicenter of large organizations, of corporations, of, of governments, of large public institutions. But I do think that the insights that we get from where this is heading would certainly be, I imagine, of interest to individuals, to people who are interested members of society. So I think we don't necessarily specifically target um, to address the broader population and to address interested members. But I do think that Deloitte's role and, and our purpose, we, and our purpose statement is to make an impact that matters. And I think in order to do so, we have to act as kind of a, an igniter to bringing these different parties together, um, ultimately, in, in my case, to, to have a better outcome for patients, have a better healthy world, um, and to, to again get that public-private collaboration working effectively, which I think in the past we have not necessarily seen um, be the case. In the work you are doing at Deloitte today under the umbrella of health and science. What is the challenge that keeps you awake at night? Something that, uh, that you would like to see happening? So I think, um, so if I, in my Deloitte role, 
to me, one of the greatest challenges we face, and I go back to it's we're in a talent battle. And finding people, it doesn't matter if it's hospital institutions, but particularly for us, I mean, there is a high degree of change, of agility, of adoption that people require in any job today. And right now, there is so much choice in the marketplace of jobs to go into. And sometimes when we work in health, and I think education is a bit of the same, politics is a bit of the same, like how do you get the great people to be really excited about contributing, about growing, um, about developing in the space, about becoming the future leaders of tomorrow in this space. So I think that's, that's one area um, that keeps me awake. I think the, the other area is, you know, we, as, as industries that play a part in the health sector, I think we have been slow to change. We have been reactive um, to the environment and, and what's been um, happening with individuals and the growth of populations and the distribution of disease and wealth and access to care. And I would love a shift in the business models between insurance, between pharmaceutical companies, um, between governments that will help drive that more preventative focus, right? So, so we're not focusing on just bringing to market the next one million dollar per cost cure, but we're spending as much energy and effort behind prevention, behind diagnosis, um, and behind wellness. If you had to measure the level of dialogue that exists in Switzerland between the key actors, let's say pharma, government, uh, insurance companies, hospitals, to analyze what's going on in terms of health, and not only to analyze, but better to implement concrete actions. What score from one to three would you give it? I mean, it's difficult to, to rate, um, but I would say we can always do more. I, I think in terms of compared to other developed markets, there isn't a lot of impetus for change. So we don't see, and just here's one point, I mean, the amount of innovative companies, for example, focusing on healthcare and producing, um, whether it's applications or new technologies or new therapeutics or wellness, you know, we see substantial investment going into that in the US and China um, and large adoption of, of digital because there's a high degree of trust. Some of that is certainly lesser here in Switzerland. We don't have such a public high degree adoption of digital um, we probably have like less friction, less, less conflict between the consumer and the institution. Um, yeah, so I, I think the dialogue is there. I don't know that the impetus for action has necessarily taken root. So I think, you know, there's lots of forums and organizations. I mean, we know Switzerland is, I think, the one of the second or third largest countries in the world in terms of its focus of GDP on health. So, you know, I think that all the players are there and there are forums in which they come together. Now, whether that has actually produced real change or, or a real dynamic difference in, in how things operate, that maybe I see less evidence of. And the very, very last one. Uh, at the very beginning, you mentioned that uh, one of your hobbies was doing sports outdoors. We are on the last day of your life. What would you choose to do where and why? Oh, goodness. Um, that's a really hard one. I mean, I would probably maybe go to some remote place in Sweden or Alaska or Canada 
and I don't know, do some do what? hiking and see the northern lights and just enjoy, um, yeah, the, the quietness, the nature, the reflection. So that's probably what I do. And if I were here in Switzerland, I'd probably go to Zermatt and, and do the same thing. <laughs> this was another interview produced by UN Today and Here's London. It can be watched on video at untoday.org. Thank you so much for listening and we keep in touch.